new drive with Goodman and Fry. Presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. Goodman Fry. That's two strikes against me. Third strike, I'm on <laughs> Nigel, of course, holding up the number two. Thank you for your support. Danny laughing at me and, and Terry sitting here going, what the hell's wrong with you? How did you know I liked Rush? I love Rush. It was my first concert. Really? Love Rush. Love Rush. And the lyrics are where, great. Where were you sitting? Uh, I was at the Rosemont Horizon. Uh, I didn't have great seats because I bought the tickets myself. Uh-huh. And I was in high school. It was the Signals Tour. In the 1980s, 80, like three. So your favorite Rush song is? It might be this one, Spirit of the Radio. Can't go wrong with that. You had me look up, you challenged me to yeah. look up Babe Ruth's pitching statistics. They I are did. quite yeah. impressive. I admit they are more impressive than I knew or believed. Oh. But here's my, uh, here's my complaint. Now you try to look up a guy's stats. Your complaint? What's your complaint? My complaint is you try to look up a guy's stats online anymore and they give you all that advanced crap. And yep. You can't just find, like, games started, complete games. No, you have it right here. Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth in 1916. It took me, like, four times to find a readable stat line. Babe Ruth in 1916, 1.75 ERA, started 40 games. Okay? Started 40 40 games. 41. Either way, he was tremendous. Bottom line is this, Walter Johnson is considered one of the greatest pitchers of all time. His career ERA, 2.17, and Babe Ruth, 2.28. I'd say that's pretty close. Yes, it is. That's how good of a pitcher he was. And we, we're not even talking about so, his hit. So we, we translated that into he's a better better all-around phenomenon than Wayne Gretzky. As I said to you before, after the break, how many Selkie Awards, best, two, best two-way forward, did Wayne Gretzky win hey by the way is it good uh, danny is it good if we continue to argue between the breaks yes because it'll fuel yes. the animosity during the segments which is what the listeners tune in for animosity because that's what terry fry brings to the party what are they animosity. doing do, do they keep scoring hockey don't goals count they they do no pavel burry couldn't check his coat and he was one of my favorite players. greatest offensive wayne gretzky's the greatest hockey player to ever play the game and it's not even close the point is, he wasn't, if you're telling me he won 10 Selkie Awards, I'm with you. The point is, pitching and hitting, Babe Ruth dominated both. Yeah. Michael Jordan dominated on both ends of the floor. Will Chamberlain dominated on both ends of the floor. Wayne Gretzky dominated on one end of the ice. And he's the greatest hockey he player of all time. What's that? He was not a bad defensive player. How many Selkie Awards did he win? There were some. It, it was kind of an avant-garde opinion. In the uh, early 80s to, yep. to, to ar- make the argument that Brian Trache was a better all-around hockey player than Wayne Gretzky. If you're using the phrase all-around, sure, maybe Brian Trache, but who would you rather have on your team? Wayne Gretzky. Oh, no question. That's my point. And that's what it's all about. You're starting a team, who are you picking? Trache or are you picking Gretzky? Everybody's picking Gretzky. You know who else I'm picking over Brian Trache? Who? Mark Messier, and it has nothing to do with his stats. Leadership. He's the greatest leader in the history of sports. Period. End of conversation. I guarantee it. Greatest. Troy Murray, you remember him? Yeah. Troy and I did the pre and post game shows for the Blackhawks together. He was here for a while. Right. He played here, but he and I did the games in Chicago. 
And he was a captain for the Winnipeg Jets, so he knows something about being a captain. And I said, if you had to pick between Gretzky and Messier, who would you pick? And he said, I would pick Mark Messier. Because he guaranteed a game... More than that. A game seven win? More than that. But what, I've, thought, I've never understood... What did Gretzky like, win like, when he left like, Edmonton? Like Joe Namath said, I guarantee he will... But he was, he was, he was and, goaded into that. And then, uh, so Mark Messier says, I guarantee you will. What do you guys... What do you think the athletes are going to say? Right. We're going to lose Game Seven. Well, I've never understood this stigma or the uh, overreaction to anybody ever guaranteeing anything. Well, I, I hate to date you. Okay, I started in this business. I started in this business in 1990. Well, I started in 1994. So you did not. Oh, go ahead. What year did you start? I, I graduated from the University of Colorado in uh, December of 1976. Okay. And started at the Denver Post four days later. But the people who covered the team back then, anybody will tell you, the the narrative around Joe Namath was, you can't win, you can't win, how are you going to beat this team, you can't win, and he has said on record. The reason why I said what I said was, I was so tired of answering that question, he said, you know what, enough, we're going to win this game, I guarantee it. And he should have said after, stop asking me these questions. He was goaded into saying. Am I correct, though? He was sitting by the pool. Yeah, probably with a fur coat on. Yeah. No, I don't know. He was sitting in a lounge chair. Right. Or in a right. chase lounge type chair. Right. And the, the writers were around him, and yes, they goaded him into it. He, he had had enough of being asked about being a huge underdog. Oh, we're still talking about it years, years, years and years Because later. he was the first one who did it. He was the first one who made a guarantee, to the best of my knowledge. I don't know if Jim Brown did that. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what Babe Ruth did. But the point is, he, was, he, he will most fondly be remembered for making that statement, not his play. He's probably most remembered for three things. That statement first, bad knees number two, Susie Colber number three, and then his actual play. Here's something I, what I don't understand about it. Joe Namath was a great quarterback. He had a good game against the Colts. What was the score of that game? 16 to 7. 16 to 7. It's not like Joe Namath threw seven touchdown passes. That's right. He wasn't he if he wasn't as injured as he was, he might have put up bigger numbers. He had a rocket for an arm. And listen, he played in that Super Bowl full disclosure when I was 1. But the point is, I know enough about his history, mm-hmm. and I know enough about that statement. Was he one of the best quarterbacks of his era? Yes. Certainly he was. Um, but his injuries derailed him, if we're being completely honest. Mm-hmm. But he came in with a swagger, an Alabama kid, loved, loved the spotlight, loved the ladies, loved his fur coats, loved his jewelry, and he was the perfect guy for New York City, and he was the perfect guy to play for an AFC team that was going up against the big monster NFL. He got $400,000 a year to, to sign with the AFL. Can what? you believe that? That outlandish amount, outlandish amount of money? The other thing is he... He was he, worth he, it, wasn't he, he? Yeah, he was, for reasons other than the field, even. Credibility and television money and everything else. Yeah. And the other thing with him is uh, he had knee surgeries, multiple knee surgeries, right. at a time when you just didn't like laugh off knee surgery and then start work. Torn ACL, you're gone for a year minimum. Well, I can tell you, I had two ACL surgeries in that era, so I know what it was, what it was like. Right, and I still know what it was like. Right. All right, coming up after the break, Peter Schrager. 
He loves the Broncos. How much does he love the Broncos? NFL Network's Peter Schrager. Wait till you hear this. And he makes a... Uh, does he guarantee it? No, he, I don't think he guaranteed it. But he did historically compare these Broncos to some other teams. And I got to tell you, not buying. That's next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman and Fry. Watch us at mylifesports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T Fry at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale loan to the public, go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, right now, we are giving away a hundred bucks to Optimum Golf. You can find them in Park Hill. You can also find them in the Rhino neighborhood. You can use that hundred bucks if you want to get a lesson from one of their award-winning pros, specifically Kyle, who teaches my daughter. You can also use that hundred bucks if you want to get custom-made, custom-fit clubs. You can use that hundred bucks if you want to go to one of their bays where you can play some virtual golf any course in the country. You're gonna love going out there. I know I do. Hundred bucks in your pocket right now. 303-831-1340. Time now for the buzz. The buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain Forest Products, where they specialize in wholesale lumber to the public. Go to Rocky Mountain Forest Products in Wheat Ridge or go to rmfp.com. Well, that works. Peter Schrager has been beating the Broncos drum since the team traded for Russell Wilson. And he believes that history suggests the Broncos are a Super Bowl contender. I've been leading this bandwagon of sorts, and there's been a lot of people kind of giving me the, the wet blanket and sobering me up and saying, slow down now, slow down now. But I think Denver's going to be a Super Bowl contender. Like, I really do. And I have a, a proof of, of entry for that. And it's that last year, the Rams needed that extra guy, and it was Matthew Stafford, and then got him over. Two years ago, the Buccaneers had a great young roster. They add Tom Brady and they get there. Like Denver's got an amazing roster. The only thing that was missing was the quarterback. You buying that? I am not because I think the Rams and the Bucks were farther along than where the Broncos are. Much further along. I appreciate his support, but dude, I got news for you. The, the Broncos don't have anyone near the caliber of Cooper Cup. They don't have anyone near the caliber of... Uh, let's see, Aaron Donald or Leonard Floyd. You can make the case if you want to that Pat Sertan might be as good as Jalen Ramsey. Yes. That's fine. As far as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers go, uh, they don't have uh, Mike Evans. They don't have Chris Godwin. They don't have Warren Sapp. They don't have Shaquille, Shaquille Barrett. They don't have Levante David. What world are you living in? Uh, I, I don't think it's undersells or, or downgrades Russell Wilson's qualities. Though. No, he's he, terrific. He it almost doesn't even have to get into it, but, it, but they're not that they were not, we're not that close. This is a seven and 10 football team. 
they, they are not that close. What 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 do you think they are this season? Although you've looked at the calendar, and even though you're not going to go win loss win loss, and neither do I, but roughly, what do you think they are? Eight and nine. Wow. You think they are an under five hundred team with Russell Wilson? Yes. Yeah, there are I got to tell you some, Terry. I want you to know, and Danny will back this up. If we do the show for ten years, I will remember what you said today. <laughs> You think they are eight and nine. Why? I'm just throwing that out as a guess. I'm not going to pretend to have sat down and analyzed and looked at it all, breaking it down statistically or anything. My gut feeling is eight and nine. But what and gives, the other, what the other issue is Russell Wilson can get beat up behind an offensive line that still has to prove itself as being competent and capable. It's not there yet. It's unsettled. It's, it's uh, murky. Uh, actually, who's going to even start? other than Garrett Bowles and maybe Billy Turner and where Cushenberry plays. Uh, I, I think that's the other unknown. Will Russell Wilson actually be able to hold up behind that line? I think Russell Wilson is going to be able to hold up. I think the problem for this Broncos team is there are a lot of potential. And potential, I say all the time, is code for you haven't done it yet. That's what that means. Cortland Sutton made the Pro Bowl, but then he had major knee surgery. We, we can love the way Jerry Judy puts route running on Twitter. I mean, looks fantastic, but what has he done since he's been here? Now, grant, now granted, now granted, uh, with Jerry Judy, he didn't have a lot of great quarterbacks that were throwing him the ball. So I will give him, I will give him that kind of credit. They, they, they don't have, outside of Cortland... He had Sutton, Drew Locke. Stop that. Am I a Drew Locke guy? No. Okay, there we go. No, I mean, it's, it's interesting to see people still trying to hang out on that island still. Well, well, we'll see if he winds up starting for Seattle. He won't. He might. I mean, we'll see what happens between that battle between him and Geno Smith. And if Locke wins it, wow, th- this opener, which is tasty enough, you're going to add a couple more ingredients to it yeah. for the opener on Monday night. But then you look at the Broncos pass rushers. Sorry, uh, Bradley Chubb. Injury history, Randy Gregory, uh, trouble staying on the field because of his off-the-field stuff, and an injury history. Can Benito contribute immediately? Can he contribute? I think he can contribute. I don't know if he will contribute immediately. What's your definition of contributing immediately? Oh, impact from an edge rusher, a guy who will force the opposition out of its game a little bit. I I don't know if Benito is going to be getting those type of snaps unless there are injuries to either Gregory or Chubb. So we will see. But looking at the history of those two guys, Benito might play a lot this year. He might play a lot this year. But you look at the offensive line. Garrett Bowles had a pro an all pro season a couple of years ago. Wasn't as good, if we're going to be honest, last year. Dalton Reiser is in danger not of losing his job, but of getting another contract. Lloyd Cushenberry. I don't even know if he's going to be the right center for this team for the entire season. You look at right guard. Uh, Glasgow, maybe, maybe Miners, maybe. And then you go with Billy Turner or a couple of other guys. So even the offensive line, I'm not totally sure about. I love the, I love the running back room. Williams. I love the running back room. I love Javante Williams. I, I really like Melvin Booker. I like their running back room I, a lot. So you're okay with them bringing Melvin Booker back? Absolutely. Why wouldn't you? I, I didn't understand other criticism of that. They didn't have anything to lose by doing it. Especially for what he came back for. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want him back? 
Are you all in on Bowles now? Do you think he's overcome that reputation as the guy who holds? So they call the holding on. Him well, he's had because two, he holds. He's he's had he's had two seasons in which he has not held a lot. I'm with you on that, but I think during the COVID season, I think he certainly benefited because there were no fans in the stands. Because <laughs> no, I'm being serious. I'm not. I'm not trying to be. I'm not trying to be a smart ass about it. I think he benefited because with crowd noise, sometimes you tend to jump. Right. Yeah. You get an offsides penalty. You get an, an illegal, an illegal procedure penalty on you. So I think that benefited him. I like Garrett Bowles personally. I am cheering for his success. I really, really am. His affable goofiness. He's not goofy. Yes, he. Yeah, you don't think so? I've been around him too much. He's not goofy. He, Garrett Bowles is the type of guy that does not need a kick in the pants. He needs a hug. That's just how he he's wired. Well, he, had a, he had a tough upbringing, and he needs more hugs than he needs a kick in the ass. I did the story on him after he was drafted. That was one of my uh, assignments at the newspaper annually was to try to do a, an immediate, quick profile of the, of the Broncos' first-round draft choice for the Sunday paper, and I really enjoyed doing it uh, uh and in Garrett Bowles' case, the story was so heartening, so interesting, of of neighbors of a foster family picking him up as he's standing in the side of the road with right. garbage bags, and then living with that family and and re- eventually reconciling with his own father. But at that time, it was a very trying circumstances, and he was just a very interesting story to do. So I've I've been rooting for him for a long time. I think in his case, uh, you know, he had the. He had a 10 holes as a rookie, then 13, 13, and then four to four and two. Mike Munchak played a major role in turning things around, but Garrett Bowles will tell you, and I've spent a lot of time in that locker room. Okay. So I can tell you he was not liked in that locker room. And the word despised, honestly, is not too harsh of a term. He was seen as a joke. He was seen as a guy who didn't listen. How was he, he able to turn it around? He was seen as immature. He was seen as all those things because I think he did mature. I think that he, he did start to listen to the people around him that he needs to knock it off and stop laughing in the locker room yeah. when on the film it shows that he's holding and he's laughing it off and he doesn't want to listen to coaches. I still think a lot of it, though, is a perception. It's, it's true in virtually all sports. Of the guy who's known to do this, and in that case, that I think he really did was somewhat a victim of being known as the guy who holds, and so he held. No, it was that simple. I think no, he held because he had no technique. He he he's a great physical specimen, a very physical, athletic guy who had no technique, and the reason he didn't have any technique at Utah, he didn't need to. Yeah. He was stronger yes, than the guys was. across from him. He was he, a great athlete. He was a lacrosse player. That's right. He could push guys around, but then when he came to the NFL, he realized the guy lining up across from him is just as athletically gifted as him, and he had no technique, and he wouldn't listen to the coaches around him. He'd be the first one to tell you that he had to learn to grow up. He had to learn to listen to coaching and he finally did. And Mike Munchak was the right guy. Has for he him. completely turned that corner? I don't know. I think he, I think he's made, I think he's 80% of the way there. Let's see how he plays this season. I believe in Garrett Bowles that he has matured. The irony about Garrett Bowles and I'm using the word maturity. What was the knock on him coming out of the draft? He was too old. Yeah, because of his Mormon missions. Bec- look, look at his age on a calendar. He you was, would think a guy like that would be more mature. Was, if anything, he, he was immature. He was married, had a kid. Right. Was uh, was getting was 
was uh, quite an athlete, all-around athlete, as a lacrosse player, and and he was very impressed. I could see why they drafted him. Yeah. This is the long way of saying. Well, they drafted him. They drafted him. They drafted him because John Elway kept blowing in the draft with offensive tackles with Michael Schofield mm-hmm. and Tyson Brylow. And yes, I know these they guys didn't blow with Tyson Brylow. He turned into a decent football player. He's decent. Was he was he worthy of a second round pick? Hell no. He's not worthy of a second round pick. And he he wasn't good here. No, he was not. Michael Schofield. But he, but you it takes sometimes it takes patience for offensive linemen to develop. They can be they end up being interchangeable parts and a guy who can play more than one position is was more valued than a guy who's pretty much locked in. One of my favorite John Elway lines was at a media barbecue before the start of the season. He was asked about Tyson Brylo, and he said, I really like Tyson Brylo. And then a couple weeks later, Tyson Brylo got traded. <laughs> That's how much he liked Tyson Brylo. But he was another case of a gifted all-around athlete who was a skier as a kid. Right. He was a talented uh, regional class national skier. So it's an, uh, a guy that size and that agility, I think you, you get – you get a little seduced there. Well, sometimes you have to grow into the position. At the end of the day, if you don't have technique, you're going to fail mm-hmm. as an NFL player. Talent's only going to take you so far. Well, circling back, circling back to Bowles, I just think that, that, that at early in his career, at times he was a victim of the re, of reputation. Now, I, no, I, 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 I won't disagree with that. I realize that his technique was somewhat lacking. That he didn't really. Well, you're being complimentary by good, saying that he was not a good game. student of the game at that point. Terrible student of the game. But I think he's come around. Oh, I absolutely think he's come around, and I think he's matured, and I think he's one of the leaders in that offensive line room. I guess my point is, I don't think he was. I don't think he was as far down that valley as some people are portraying it. Back then, yeah, he was further down than you think. Okay. His teammates would tell me how much they despised him. What do they come up and walk around, put their arm around you and say, Eric, I hate that guy? You've been in locker rooms? Yeah, I'm not going to sit and yeah, I have. talk to you about on air. He was not liked. Mm-hmm. He was immature. Yes. He would laugh in meeting rooms when they would show film of him making mistakes. He would laugh out loud. His teammates didn't, his offensive line mates did not respect him. They didn't like him at all. And then when the coaches tried to coach him, he would blow him off. He was as bad as you think he was, and worse than that. A little like Carmelo? No, Car- Car- I liked Carmelo. Well, Carmelo was the guy who said, I'm good, coach. He would always say, I'm good, coach. You don't need to teach me anything. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you a story about Carmelo Anthony. Because, I mean, I've been in this market since 2004. You've been here longer than me. One of his former coaches said to me, he walked up to Carmelo and said, I need you to start playing some defense. That was his rookie season. And his answer was very succinct. I didn't play any defense at Syracuse when I won a championship, and I don't need to play any defense here. Mm-hmm. And that's not a paraphrase. That's a direct quote. That's a direct quote. And we all know what George Carl thinks of Carmelo Anthony, which is not much. No. Carmelo Anthony stops the game. Right. He stops the ball. Stops right. the game. No, I'm not going to disagree there, but he's a Hall of Famer and should be. You think Carmelo Anthony's a Hall of Famer? 
I, I'll, I'll, I tell you I, what. I'm going. I know he's going to be. Oh yeah, I mean, I'll, I wouldn't. I'll, I'll, I'll make you a bet. I'll give you a thousand if I lose, and you just give me a dollar. <laughs> That's how confident I am. Okay. Carmelo Anthony won a national. Remember, it's the Basketball Hall of Fame. Yes. Okay. Won a championship at Syracuse. Won multiple gold medals. Mike Shashevsky speaks glowingly of him because he was a team player on those U.S. Olympic teams, and he's one of the greatest scorers in NBA. You're talking history. about the Naismith Hall of Fame. The yeah. Basketball. Well, that's the only one. Yeah. There's no pro basketball Hall of Fame. So he's absolutely going in. Misunderstood guy. Absolutely misunderstood. He did not. He forced his way out of here because he was told they were rebuilding. And he said, and I don't his want His wife to, wanted to go to New York. That had nothing. To, that had very little to do with it. Oh, no, I don't. I disagree with that. Were you in the locker room? No. Okay, I was. I think she wanted to go beyond the view and that kind of thing. Terry, as a guy who was in that locker room, please trust me on this. That is completely 100% overblown. He was told the team was being blown up, and he said, I don't want to be a part of it. I think How- you're buying into, his, buying into his argument a little excessive. Coming up after the break, uh, seven game sevens between the NBA and NHL this weekend. All you heard were promotions about nothing is better than a game seven. I don't know if that's true. That's next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman and Fry, Mile High Sports Radio. Listen to us, milehighsports.com, and watch us milehighsports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at mm, Terry T. Fry. I almost did it again. That would be three times today. You caught yourself? What's that? 3.25. Yeah, well, I appreciate the credit for the 2.5 because I actually thought it was like three and a half. Okay. But I appreciate you being so uh, kind. At T. Fry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale loan to the public, go to RMFP. Dot com. I want to tell you about the Windfall Brewing Company in the Orchard Town Center. This place has something for everyone. 17 craft brews on tap. Their sous chef, at San, there was, they had a sous chef at Shanahan's. He's now the uh, executive chef at Windfall Brewing Company. So you know the food is absolutely terrific. And it's a great place to take the kids, even though it's not upscale bar food. It is a terrific menu. Your kids are going to love it because they have 23 pinball machines. Pac-Man, Golden Tee, dozens of your favorite old-time arcade games. Head to Westminster, make it a day or night at Windfall Brewing Company. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is presented by Low T99. Testosterone treatment made easy and affordable. For just $129 per month, they'll send you testosterone, supplies, and the price includes lab work. Go to LowT99.com. Between the NBA and the NHL, all you heard in those promotions, nothing's better than a Game 7. Terry, is something better than a Game 7? Can you think of things better than a Game 7? I think some Game 7s are the ultimate, but you have to take them on an individual basis to evaluate them. It isn't automatically the buzz of, of a great, the greatest thing ever. I always thought, seventh game in the World Series, does that count as a Game 7? Yeah, well, that's a Game 7. Yeah. But, but 
Hockey and basketball, no, not necessarily. You take them on an individual basis. I think I've covered Super Bowls. I've covered World Series. There's just there's something about a World Series game where the buzz is 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 just impossible to miss and invigorating and exciting. And the most, as weird as it sounds, I I've always said this: the most exciting sporting events I ever covered were major major boxing matches. Yeah, you know the Ali, the Leonard, the Burns. What Ali fights did you? I didn't do many Ali. I didn't do Ali fight except for Lyle Alzado. Oh, okay. I, co- I covered uh, the okay. I covered that fight. Got to hang around with Ali a little bit for the pre pre uh, build up of the fight. Um, yeah, the game seven, uh, the one you remember here, is still what I consider to be the biggest sporting event here ever was Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Final when the Avalanche beat the Devils in 2001 right? with Alex Tangi gets two goals. And so I, I, I don't think it's by putting it all with one, sweeping aside with all one brush, one brush as the game seven is the best there is. I think it's on an individual basis. You have to, val- well, you have you, to evaluate. Them. You look at the Suns Mavericks game yesterday. I mean, if you're a Mavericks fan, you're loving game seven. If you're a Suns fan, uh, that game couldn't have ended fast enough. I, I get it. That it's winner take all, but honestly, um, I think overtime hockey is better. I think that the thing that's great about overtime hockey is you're sitting there on the edge of your seat, knowing somebody could score any second, right. and it also might take four periods. Right, and so that yeah, I think that's that's also uh, on an individual basis. I think it is more exciting than most game seven. If you had to pick, and you've covered baseball and hockey, extra inning playoff baseball. Or overtime hockey, <laughs> overtime hockey. I I would I would lean towards overtime hockey, but this is where my argument is for baseball. What people don't like about baseball makes it so exciting, because it is so slow. No, oh. it's a slow build. Attention the, builds. The, well, it does because every pitch you're hanging on, especially in, in an extra inning game. Yeah. And and the the pace of play builds the drama, builds the momentum. In overtime hockey, it's bang bang, they're flying up and down the ice. And I totally understand that. But what what if you're a fan of the World Cup? As oh jeez. And we talked about this uh on the phone earlier today. And you have a team in the World Cup and it does go extra time. Can't, can't they figure out a better way to end the game? I think they should keep playing till everybody collapses. Yes, I do. Too. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of penalty kicks. No, and and I understand that. But that is really the same concept as overtime hockey. First team that scores wins. However, in the World Cup, they don't do a shootout like they do in the regular season in the NHL. It's interesting the contrast, though, too. Also, between the regular season shootout and the you don't get it doesn't spoil you in the sense that you you realize that overtime overtime hockey in the postseason is so much better than the uh, regular season way of breaking a tie but it's also impractical to do it the rest of the year oh i agree all right what do we have coming up on argonaut wine and liquor just in case you missed it 
The Colorado Rockies back home, back in action against a team that absolutely demolished them when they were out in the Bay Area. We'll talk about that a little bit and some of the openings for head coaching positions around the NHL. That's coming up next right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry on Mile High Sports. Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T Fry at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, not retail, but wholesale, go to RMFP.com. Time now for the final word. The final word. Presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. Just in case you missed it, is presented by Argonaut Wine and Liquor. You need to see why Westward named it the best liquor store in Denver. Five years running. Or order online at ArgonautLiquor.com. Just in case you missed it, San Francisco Giants taking on the Colorado Rockies at Coors Field this evening. 6.40 p.m. scheduled start for that game. The Rockies just lost 2 of 3 to the Royals at home. Giants lost 2 of 3 in St. Louis. But the last time the Rockies and the Giants played, San Fran absolutely beat up on the Rockies. Uh, the scores of those games, 8-5 Giants, 9-2 Giants, 7-1 Giants. Uh, Alex Wood gets the start for the Giants this evening, and Antonio Senzatella for Colorado. Do you expect similar scores this series to when the two teams met in the Bay Area? No, I think... It- I would like to. I, the Rockies are so tantalized early in the season that I want to believe them. I really do. I want them to come back. I want them to be competitive. They haven't completely fallen apart. The record's not just terrible, toxic, awful yet. And I think they have the potential. I'm talking myself. I'm trying to talk myself into. They are. Listen, the Rockies are 500. They're 17 and 17, and that's fine. But 17 and 17 is good for last place in the National League West. Yeah, it's a tough division. And that's the problem. And the other thing is now we are 20% of the way through the schedule. Already. Yes. Seems hard to believe. So you you're not looking at 145 and 17? I don't you know what? Not for me. Um the problem is is that they just don't match the talent in their division. Certainly not with the Dodgers, certainly not with the Giants, not with the Padres. The Diamondbacks aren't much. They have a couple of really nice starters. Um, but the, the crux of their games are in their own division and their own division. You can make the case the National League West yeah. is better than the AFC West. Yes. That's, you, you can, can make, make that, that case. Yes. You can make a very strong case. And so when you play all those games against those teams, it, it, it's inherent that you're going to lose a whole bunch you're of games. You're also playing Arizona, though. I got it. No, I, I understand that you're playing the Diamondbacks. 
but you better win those game against the Diamondbacks, and they lost two or three against them. And even the vaunted Kansas City Royals. Right. They, they played the Diamondbacks, and they lost two of yeah. three. And the Diamondbacks aren't very good. No. So if the Rockies can stay around 500, that'd be great. If they can play teams from other divisions more on their schedule. Can they still have an entertaining summer out there for the fans if they're just competitive? It doesn't matter if they lose every game moving forward. People are going to go to that ballpark because it's a fun place to go. What's up? Should we feel guilty for that? Um, I think people get upset that Dick Monfort keeps making money and he's not putting money in, which is which is an absolute farce. Yeah. Dick Monfort spends money on this team. No, he doesn't spend like the Yankees. He doesn't spend like the Red Sox. He's he's middle of the pack. But the truth is, his problem was he was handing his checkbook to the wrong guy in Jeff Breidich, who signed Ian Desmond mm-hmm. and made a bunch of other bad signings. For them to be 500, 34 games into the season, I think it's a I think that's a pretty respectable. That's a very good record for them, especially if Chris Bryant doesn't get well. And I know he's not on a minor league rehab assignment now but right we'll just have to see if he can come back and contribute because that could wipe out a little bit of the criticism the amount of money they spent on him the commitment on him for the term uh that could mitigate some of the criticism for arenado and, and well story leaving but it, it it's almost like well we, we're going to do this to try to show people we're still serious i and, i and it's no, not a sound baseball decision i like the the chris bryant signing i don't know why anybody criticized that they're trying to get better. What in the heck is wrong with that? Because you, you can make the argument that they, they, they could use that same commitment to retain the, retain the players they have. Nolan Arenado did he, not. I know they wanted to leave. They, so then, so if they wanted to leave, it doesn't matter how much money you offered them. But you can also create the kind of atmosphere around them they'll, they'll still want to stay. No, they didn't want to stay. They, they had no interest in coming back. Nolan Arenado. But, but you, you arrest that. You cut that off before it happens. Well, the problem is, for the Rockies organization, it is systemic. And I'm going to go back to Larry Walker. Larry Walker is a bitter dude, right? Yes. Bitter dude. And that bitterness translated to the next guy in line, who was also a bitter dude, Todd Helton. And Todd Helton took that anger and rage and then moved it to Matt Holiday. And then Matt Holiday moved it to Troy Tulowitzki. And Tulowitzki handed it off to Arenado. And Arenado handed off the story. All those guys, when they left outside of Helton, were miserable here. Well, sincere question. You said, but you did say that Helton, Helton was unhappy. Helton is one of the worst human beings I've ever been around. Why do you say that? I'm just curious. I mean, because I'm he's an, you. I'm just because curious. he's an absolute jerk. And he's the only athlete I've ever said that about in 30 years doing this. I've said it on the show with Les. I've said it on the show with Mason. Uh, Les was very friendly with Helton, and I told him, if you ever bring him on the show, I will not be part of that interview. Wow. Because he is such a jerk. It bothered me when he would call female reporters, honey, that bothered me. He's just a toxic turd, and there's just no other way to put it. Danny, we gotta, we, we have to bring Eric out of his shell. No, I, I, I've said all this stuff before, and honestly, I'm not the only one that isn't crazy about him. Mm-hmm. After the season, after my first season covering this team, and oh, oh, by the way, you know what separates me from baseball writers? You, know <laughs> you have se- a life. No, but two things. Well, three things. One, I dress better. Number two, I have a life, and number three, I vote him into the Hall of Fame. And, that, and I just told you how I feel about Todd yeah. Helton. 
I'd vote so him in. He must have been a hell of a player in your mind. I thought he was a terrific player when he was healthy. To overcome your animus. I don't I don't hold personal grudges against people. If you could play, you could play. That's kind of how I look at it. That's my Barry Bonds. Todd Helton was always a jerk to me in the locker room. Always a jerk to me. Okay. He didn't like the questions that I asked. He was off-putting. He was short. He was curt. He was terse. And then after the first season, when it was over, he apologized to me and said, I'm really sorry how I treated you. And then the next I season... Did do any good? Next season, it was more the same. The more the, And then when he played his final game, I asked him a question at the press conference, I was and he completely blew me off. And I'm thinking, you know what? Get the hell out of here. Latroy Hawkins was standing in the back. I don't remember if Latroy Hawkins was. I have nothing good to say about Todd Helton. Nothing. And I'll tell you this. First of all, you know what? I will... I will pull back a little bit because I've heard about his childhood yeah. and it wasn't easy. And that's why he's such a bitter tool. Okay. I'll, I'll give him that. His upbringing was hard. Would you agree with that? Yes. Very hard. But the problem is he has taken that upbringing. He's taken it out on other people. And that's not right. Just in case you missed it, the Vegas Golden Knights fired head coach Peter DeBoer today. Vegas joins Detroit, Philadelphia, and Winnipeg as current openings in the NHL. Chicago, Montreal, and Edmonton, as well as Florida. Edmonton, Florida still going in the playoffs, but they are all under interim head coaches. Is the Golden Knights head coaching position the most attractive in the NHL? Yes, it's a lot of fun to coach there, although you have to work for a, for an owner who's proven to be very unstable in his support of coaches. He fired Gerard Gallant. They fired Gerard Gallant after he takes his expansion team to the Stanley Cup Finals. It didn't buy him uh, long enough time. It was just ridiculous. This league is just stupid. The NHL is just stupid the way it treats the coaches as, oh, uh, uh, temporary razors, you know, the kind of scratch you, right. that don't shave you. And he, uh, Bednar now is the number three ranked coach right. in the NHL and senior. Right. That's mind-boggling behind Mike Sullivan and uh, John Cooper of Tampa Bay. I'll tell you who deserves a job. Who got blackballed a long time ago by John Muckler because it was a team that I covered. How in the hell did Ted Nolan never truly get back into the yeah, NHL? And I, I never Loved by that. his players. Buffalo. Loved by his. I'll tell you a story when we leave because we're out of time. All right, uh, that was Argonaut Wine and Liquor, just in case you missed it. Argonaut always has great specials. Here are a few. Bubbles and Boxes, 15% off. Don't forget, Argonaut delivers, and all deliveries over 100 bucks are free. If you work in the city and you live in the suburbs, stop Argonaut on the way home. You're going to get great pricing, great customer service. If you live in the city, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Argonaut, the only place to go. Find them off of Colfax. Go to ArgonautLiquor.com. That's going to do it for us, Terry. Good first show. Thanks, Eric. I've thanks, enjoyed it. Thanks for making me look bad like you always <laughs> do. Danny and Nigel, thank you so much. Make it the best possible night you can. <laughs>